Welcome to Tea, Toast, and Trivia. Thank you for listening in. Today, I am delighted that Sylvia, a remarkable blogger and a dear friend, has come back on Tea, Toast, and Trivia. We are once again bridging the 4,245 kilometers as the crow flies between Florida and British Columbia. I have followed Sylvia's blog, Another Day in Paradise, for many years, and the name says it all. Sylvia has created a place that welcomes and encourages life-affirming conversation. We have a special gift for you today. The music you hear is Sylvia playing on her grand piano. In our last podcast conversation in February, Sylvia and I thought to explore the idea of traveling. Sylvia has traveled extensively, visiting 40 countries and embarking on two round-the-world trips. And then the world changed. Who would have known that the entire world would enter a period of solitude? In a recent blog post, Sylvia wrote, Wishing you all a peaceful Wednesday. Remember that happiness is the new rich. Inner peace is the new success. Good health is the new wealth. And kindness is the new cool. Sylvia's courage during an uncertain time inspires me. So put the kettle on and add to this exciting discussion on teatoastandtrivia.com. Welcome, welcome, Sylvia. Thanks, Rebecca. It's great to be with you again. I've been looking forward to this so much. Such, as you say, so much has happened in the world since we last spoke. But thankfully, we and our family are all keeping well, albeit we're hunkered down in our various parts of the world, as I'm sure you are too. We're just so thankful that we're very healthy and we haven't had any problems so far. And I'm trusting it's going to carry on that way and hopefully this virus will just dissipate over time. I believe that when we are in this time, and it will pass, but I want to remember that we had courage, we had optimism, we had each other, and we built connections. And I think that is what I really appreciate everything you do and write. It is about courage, taking on that next challenge without that fear that can be so insidious. So I understand that you do some interesting things in your time of solitude, and one of them is piano. That's true, yes, and it keeps me going, that's for sure. It makes me play and practice every day with much more than I normally would, which is marvelous. And music is so important in our lives. Quote Frederick Nietzsche, he said, life without music is no life at all, and I tend to agree with him. You are teaching your husband to play the piano. I am, yes. He um, surprised me because he's never, ever learned music. And the reason I'm teaching him to play piano at this latish stage of his life is because he loves listening to me. And he wishes his parents had sent him for music lessons because they always had a piano in the house when he was growing up. And a few weeks ago, when he phoned his mom, who is now 106 years old, he asked her, he said, Mom, why didn't you send me for piano lessons when I was a boy? So she thought for a few seconds, and then she said, I really don't know, dear, because my father always said that if a person couldn't play a musical instrument, they hadn't had a proper education. 
So Chris, Chris and I just looked at one another and smiled. <laughs> anyway, he's learning now and he's doing splendidly. I'm quite proud of him. And of course, his teacher's not too bad either. <laughs> <laughs> I heard him play Happy Birthday. Mm -hmm. He did. He did very well. Yes, he did. And he's uh, progressed from that now. And by the time it's um, my birthday, I'm hoping he'll be able to play it even better. <laughs> Maybe he can add a few more chords. <laughs> I believe that when we bring together uh, music into a, a home, it fills the entire environment with good energy and good feelings. When we play music, there is something that transcends location. We are with the people that actually created it, and we are just doing something that makes us more in keeping with what is around us. Mm, art and music, they're basic human functions, aren't they? And man's innate desire to create something, whether it's small or really grand, is in inevitable. So making music, being such an enjoyable exercise, and then listening to others making music is wonderful entertainment, something which really makes the world go around. Music can run the gamut of all human emotions, from the most joyous to the most melancholy. Don't you agree? I do. I do. And I think it's that connection with the emotional aspect of music. Thank goodness for our musicians and our creators. Some of them had some very difficult lives, but they produced an enormous cadre of music that allows us to link in with their time and with them. That's right. It certainly is. Yeah. So, I mean, from a very early age, music was a part of my life. It was an important part because in our home, the wireless was often turned to the popular BBC music program called Housewife's Choice. I don't know if you ever heard of that. And my mum loved to sing along with the popular songs of the day. And on Saturday mornings, my sister and I would always tune into Uncle Max's Children's Choice, which was a program where children could write in and request their favourite songs. So we did that. I don't know if they ever actually played our request but they often played the ones which we did request but not specifically for us um, we loved the laughing policeman and sparky and the magic piano that was our two favorites <laughs> i remember those <laughs> i think that they are on on uh, youtube now they must be i must have a listen yeah i was speaking to my sister today and i told her i was going to mention about the laughing policeman and she said i heard that the other day she said no, i could not stop laughing it's just so contagious so i'm gonna have to look it up and i'm going to have a good old laugh along next time i go on youtube <laughs> there, there is something about laughter isn't there mm, absolutely yeah, and, and happiness. Music um, can cause you to be happy. I remember my dad often whistled as he was doing his gardening or if he was working around the house. He had a wonderful whistle, and he taught me to whistle as well. And when he was whistling, I knew dad was in a good mood. So that used to make me happy. And he was a great fan of Mario Lanza and Enrico Caruso. And that was the only two records we had in the house. We had nothing else, just those two records. So we grew up listening to them. And he had a wonderful singing voice. He was a tenor. And he used to sing along with those songs. And I think he really fancied himself. Famous tenor. Oh, he did? <laughs> yes, he did. So if I wanted to listen to anything more lowbrow, I had to sneak off round to my friend Marilyn's house 
could listen to Elvis and Cliff Richard and the Everly Brothers and Little Richard or heaven forbid Bill Haley and the Comets or Jerry Lee Lewis. Fortunately, her parents weren't as averse to the latest pop music as our mum and dad. They considered rock and roll very unsuitable for young girls, so we weren't allowed to listen. And when I came <laughs> back home, I never told them what we'd been doing. Of course not. No. <laughs> <laughs> the things we do when we're children, our parents, well, we think our parents don't know, but they probably do. They probably do. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, the first time I ever saw a piano up close was when I was about seven, and our family went on a week's holiday to Blackpool, which is a popular English seaside resort. And we stayed in a bed and breakfast, and in the communal sitting room was an upright piano, and I couldn't resist just trying out the keys. And I must have started on middle C, playing with one finger, and I managed the first two bars of God Save the Queen which is played on only five notes, all next to one another, very easy, and somehow my fingers just knew which notes to press. So everyone in the room was so impressed, and my mom was so proud of me and thought I was an absolute prodigy, of course. And when we returned home, she decided to obtain a piano and find a local piano teacher for me. <laughs> the piano came, and it was very old and had those candle sconces, you know, which, and I don't even know if it was in tune. Maybe I wouldn't have really known at that stage. Money was so scarce at that time, so the cost of the piano and the lessons had to be factored into mum's very tight budget. And I think we did have it tuned once, I remember, but that probably was, you know, considered quite an extravagance. Then I, I had piano lessons. Mrs. Jones, my teacher, was a very large lady and she had a huge wart on top of her nose, which came in very useful because it stopped her spectacles from slipping down. <laughs> so I don't remember a lot about my first lessons, except she often put a wooden ruler down my back to keep me sitting bolt upright. And she held a sheet of cardboard over my hands to prevent me from looking down at them. I tried that with Chris the other day, but it didn't work because then he didn't know what he was doing, so I gave up on that. <laughs> anyway, the trick apparently was to keep my eyes looking straight ahead and focused on my music, and it did seem to work. And before long, I was playing with both hands, which, um, yeah, impressed everyone no end. My first proper piece was called Snowflakes, and it was in Wall's time. And not to be outdone, my sister Yvonne then started singing lessons and it turned out she had an amazing singing voice and she easily won all of the music competitions in our area when she was a teenager. And when she finished college, she joined the Doily Carter Opera Company. So music, you know, has been in our family for many years and I sent both my children for music lessons. My son learned guitar and piano and my daughter learned piano and we've always had a piano in the house, you know, ever since they were old enough to play. Yeah, so just meant to be, I think. And it's contributed to so much joy and happiness and laughter too. When you bring a piano in your house, it changes everything. It brings a different environment inside. It does. I remember my, our first piano when I was a child. It hardly fitted into that front room. The room was very tight, 
So you could just get behind the sofa and the piano stool and sort of edge the piano stool out and fit in there. There wasn't really space, but mum made space. And I'm glad she did. Well, she had a real understanding of what was important to her children. Mm. And that is a real gift. It is, because my music's taken me on many adventures. It's brought me a lot of joy. And I've got so many memories connected to my piano playing, mostly good, and some really hair-raising to do with playing in public, and especially playing the organ for church services, weddings, and funerals. I could write a book about that. <laughs> oh, yeah, I'm sure you could. I could. Uh, I had some he hectic times. Really, I did. Um, I could fill up this whole conversation with my memories, but I won't do that. Maybe another time I might share those. <laughs> So how do people get involved in music when they're in a time when you can't have access to anything but your home? I suppose they have their music players, their iPod. And if they have a guitar, maybe they suddenly might decide they're going to try and play again after many years. My sister said today that her husband has a guitar and it's come out of the closet and he's having a little strum at it. Yeah, so you see, people do. They want to entertain themselves if they can't go out and be entertained. Please share with your sister that I'm very proud of her husband for doing this. Yes, I will. I will. <laughs> Who knew that there was a guitar in, in the closet? Exactly. I mean, it isn't, probably isn't in tune, but uh, who cares? <laughs> that makes it even more entertaining. It does. <laughs> So, Sylvia, how is your friends outside? You love photography. Uh, yes, that's right. I, was, I wasn't ever one for taking photos until we moved to Florida, because when we traveled in South Africa and also our travels around the world, Chris always had the camera because his hands and his eyes are much steadier than mine. So it seemed only sensible that he should take all the photos. But when we came here and I saw the amazing wildlife right outside my window, I got brave. And I thought, I'll take my own photos, because after all, it's not like the old days where you had to pay to have the film developed and even your terrible duds were, they were there for you to see and you'd actually paid for them. That was awful. But now I get them if they don't turn out well, and many do end up in the trash, I have to admit. Occasionally I get a gem and I'm quite pleased with myself. So I always enjoy looking at other people's animal and bird photos, and it seems that they derive pleasure from mine, as well as the little stories I weave around the local characters. It seems to have gone down very well on my blog. Well, I find when you have a story that's associated with a photo, it becomes more memorable. You recognize what is the background story on that. It becomes more real. It's like you're there. When you talk about your friends, and I really believe that they're friends, and I am actually seeing them with you, and I think it's because you add those stories and your humor that goes along with it is inviting, very welcoming. You think that you're part of the community, part of the family. I agree. Photography is great, but the story with it, it makes it all the difference. Mm, yeah, it does. I enjoy it. I'm, I've often been told that I should have a coffee table book with all my characters in and the little stories or that I should do children's books. I haven't actually got around to thinking of the logistics of that, but you never know, one day. I think that would be a 
fabulous idea, Sylvia. I'm not sure how I'd go about that, but uh, I, I have given it thought. I know that there's self-publishing out there, and this would be really something, especially for children. Mm-hmm. And I consider myself a child in here, so I would be buying it with, with the children. So during this time, what would you say to people when they're afraid? Well, my mom always used to say when things weren't going well, this too shall pass. And she was always right. She was never wrong because it did always pass and things did always get better. So that's what I would say. Just hang in there. Just don't give up. Have courage. Just don't ever think that this is the end and just look after yourself. Make sure that you're doing all the right things and tomorrow will be brighter. Thank you, Sylvia. That is a wonderful, wonderful place to end. Say that again. Tomorrow? Tomorrow will be brighter. Yeah, because actually you've seen how this crisis has brought out the best in people. You know, there are such heroes I saw a South African news feed the other day about a woman who's sewing hundreds of masks for African grannies who look after the young children so their parents can go out to work. And there's so many heartwarming stories which attest to the innate goodness in people. So amidst all, all the turmoil and uncertainty, there's so many beautiful and joyous moments. And my gratitude abounds for all the people who keep us safe in these perilous times. Thank you, Sylvia. That was so inspirational. You really have made my day, and I know that people who are listening are also inspired by your words. Thank you for joining me today. Will you come back? I will. It's been such a pleasure. It's always a pleasure to see your smile as well, Rebecca. Thank you so much. A special thank you, Sylvia, for gracing us with your music that will end this joyful conversation. Until next time, dear friends, take care, keep safe, be well.